All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. The first warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. And also all pop culture. <laughs> Just going to ruin every movie ever? We're going to ruin everything. Everything that's ever been made. You've been warned. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but definitely Dark Age. Don't forget to follow us. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email HowlerPod at gmail.com. Visit us at HowlerPod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, then we will get one of those oracles and strap it to your face. And then when you lie about not giving us five stars, it's going to stab you and you're going to die. <laughs> and now, Howler Pod. Oh! One night, you will wake in the middle of the dark and find a shadow standing over you. If you are lucky, it will be me. If you are unlucky, it will be Severo or my husband, and you will die shitting yourself in a fallen bed. Oh, Howlers, welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. You said Howla. Howla. Howla, Howla, Pierce Brown <laughs> in the house. I'm your host, Ben Reinert, co-hosting with me as always. The amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, howlers. Howla. <laughs> howlers. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing today, Aaron? Iron Gold, chapters 47 through 51. All right. Well, let's, uh, let's figure out what happened in these chapters. Load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Hopefully we don't shit our suits. Chapter 47, Lysander. Teeth and tears. Cassius is carried out by Diomedes' men, and Lysander opens the safe. Serafina opens the case on the razor and pulls out the hollow. Dido gives a speech and plays the video. We see the moments before the Ganymede dockyards are destroyed, with Darrow, Victra, Holiday, and Sefi all staring out the viewport at an intact dockyards, a.k.a. Hey, everybody. Darrow did the dirty deed <gasps> no dido now has her war shit daryl why would you do that how did we not know <laughs> I was a little about taken it? aback when it was like 10 million people died <laughs> you were like that's more <laughs> we're so quick to like not blame daryl for anything exactly. <laughs> we're like that's that's good <laughs> how many millions we didn't know him i'm just gonna look over here that's the other way oh <laughs> it's like <laughs> Cool. <laughs> Chapter 48, Lysander, the boy and the knight. That's a knight, as in Cassius. Lysander is taken back to his rooms and locked inside. While he waits for news of Cassius, he goes into a memory of the first time he met him. We see a cocky, confident, sexy uh, Han Solo <laughs> Cassius. <laughs> We see a creepy, smart, and snotty little Lysander. Super creep. 
And we see perfect Virginia, of course. As always, yep. As always, perfect. When Diomedes' slave comes back, uh, she tells Lysander that Cassius is dead and that his body was stolen away. Lysander officially has no friends left. Chapter 49, Lyria, enemy of the state. Lyria is taken deep into the citadel to be questioned by Theodoro, Daxo, Niobe, and Holiday. Lyria recounts what happened, but they won't believe anything she says. They try playing on her hate for the Republic, but she swears she would never hurt a child. They still don't believe her, and they bring out an oracle, a.k.a. that creepy scorpion slug creature that Darrow and Octavia used to have their conversation. Stabs you if you lie. Right when it latches onto her arm, Mustang busts in and tells them to stop, kills the oracle with her razor, and then she wants to speak to Lyria alone, but also Holiday stays too. <laughs> and she's like, it's time we talked alone, plus Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> okay, chapter 50, Lyria, mother. Mustang is tired. She wants Lyria to prove to her why she would even believe her. Lyria says that she came back for Liam. So he doesn't grow up thinking Lyria was a terrorist or feel the shame of having bad blood in his family. They recount the moments she spent with Felipe, but discover that the security footage of him is always scrubbed or altered. Uh, his bank accounts were all only used once, and he purchased a toy lion to toy with the sovereign. This is clearly a high skill operation, definitely not the red hand. Before they leave Lyria, she brings up Felipe's gun, being like, oh, I hope that gun helps. Holiday didn't know there was a gun. They then search the checkpoint and find it, running fingerprints and discovering that Felipe is none other than Ephraim T. Horn, Holiday's brother-in-law. Mm. Talk about bad family. <laughs> Chapter 51, Ephraim, Skyhook. Ephraim and Volga are hanging out in a private room at a fancy club, spending some of their new cash and ruminating on the fact that their partners are dead and they kidnap children. Volga is extremely remorseful and angry that Ephraim made her steal some kids. They fight and Ephraim crosses the line saying all sorts of nasties, so Volga storms out. Later, Ephraim goes to the private ship they chartered. Volga has not yet arrived. He waits for her for hours, but realizes she isn't coming. Sad boy gets even sadder. He has lost his closest friend. Aww. He's ready to take off, but the flight crew has all disappeared. He finds Holiday and Lyria waiting for him in the lounge. Oh, shit. Lyria plays to Ephraim's better nature, talking about how he should be a better man for Trig. He starts talking. Holiday tells him he must go in and retrieve the kids. She shows him a hollow. They have Volga and a cell. If he doesn't agree to the rescue mission, they will give Volga to the Telemonises and they will kill her for what she did to Kavax. Ephraim speaks to the Sovereign. He says he'll get the kids if she agrees to release Volga. She agrees. Time to rescue some kiddos. Let's get them back. Ben, now that we have finished our chapter summaries, what is the theme for these chapters? This week's theme is trust. Okay, now let's go uh, chapter by chapter and talk about why we chose trust for this week's theme. Yeah, so um, I think that this is just kind of a, a very important part where we either see characters kind of gaining each other's trust or, in a lot of situations, losing their trust in each other. 
broken trust. Exactly. So one of those instances of broken trust is between Lysander and Cassius. Lysander has now just received the news that Cassius is dead. And he's thinking to himself, this is not how it was supposed to end. I thought I had saved him, that I would have a chance to show him that he was wrong, to help him realize the mistake he'd made, choosing Darrow and convince him that there was still good he could do in the world, still peace he could bring. Somehow I thought our lives would go on together, and one day he would follow me as I follow him. Instead, he's gone into the void, his last moments spent thinking I betrayed him and stole his redemption. So this is obviously Lysander thinking he's right and Cassius is wrong, which we disagree with. (laughs) (laughs) But um, this is Lysander following his truth and standing up for what he believes in and like trying to save Cassius and bringing this war against Darrow, who he sees solely as a monster. So then we also, before this moment, see that uh, Lysander chose to trust Cassius with Diomedes. And uh, we also see in that moment, Diomedes clearly doesn't trust his mother to keep Cassius alive. Mm -hmm. So um, obviously, even the familial trust isn't here with these Rimras. So even though Cassius, as we know, is alive, Lysander in this moment trusts that Diomedes would be true to his word and therefore believes, like fully believes right away that Cassius <laughs> is dead, which is crazy to me. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and he hears it from a pink too. I mean, so it's just like, you think that he would... Be like, let me see the body. Yeah. Oh, it's not there. Let me see like, you know, film of the body being dragged away right. at least. Right. It's also interesting that he still is like wanting to convince Cassius that he was right. Even after Cassius is dead. Right. Like he's kind of lamenting the fact that he could never prove him wrong in that situation. And I wonder if, do you think that comes into play at all in like the next book now that Cassius is back? Is it still something that Lysander is going to want to prove to him that he was right? That he shouldn't choose Darrow. Right. And clearly he's choosing Darrow again (laughs) when he saves him. So... Yeah, I think a lot of it is like grief and not wanting, you know, uh, the last conversation that you had with someone to be a bad one. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can never have forgiveness. So I think a lot of it is probably the guilt and the lack of forgiveness from Cassius. But yeah, he also is like, well, I still was right. (laughs) Right, yeah, because he knows that like, Cassius, all he wanted to do was die in that situation, make sure that they don't get their war. Like he made Lysander promise that they were going to do that. And Lysander obviously broke his trust by jumping into the ring like that. And it's just, it's, it's super sad that Cassius, like in Lysander's head, had to spend these last moments thinking that, that he was betrayed. Everything that he did was Yeah, died wrong. for nothing. <laughs> yeah, we, we kind of talked about that last episode where like, we, Cassius just wants to know that he made the right decision. And, and feel redeemed right. in his death. <laughs> but luckily, now that we do know he's back, he still has a chance. And in our eyes, he's fully redeemed <laughs> because he saves Darrow. I'm wondering if he spends his time, now that he's back, trying to convince Lysander that ultimately Cassius and his mission were the way to go. 
I just yeah, but like both ways, they're both yeah. gonna. I'm sure there will be some type of either showdown or conversation between the two of them. There has to be. Yes, and that's like one of the things I'm most anticipating coming up with the new book. I feel like. So yeah, like Ben said, uh, Lysander did believe the pink when they say Cassius died. I remember before we even read Dark Age and before it was confirmed that Cassius was alive, we still were like, wow, that like he believed that way faster than any of us fans did. Right. Like, obviously, part of that is Lysander doesn't know Pierce Brown like we do. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't feel tricked by him frequently. <laughs> 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 so, um, but I still, after like 10 years of love and friendship and even brotherly love between them like really you're just like oh yeah that makes sense that he died yeah it's crazy to me part of that i think is just the gold nature that he's trying to really lean into because he only has the he like has the single sob and then he's like you know he says stand aside the void yeah stand aside the the tragedy right and he's just like trying to not let the emotion touch him so be the calm maybe that plays into him just being so accepting of it he's able to just kind of take emotion out of it well and with cassie's dead it kind of is more convenient for him not that he's thinking this but in order to like fully join (laughs) dido also true you know it does kind of just like make him be like okay well Well, (laughs) guess guess i'm a racist now yeah darn i really i have to do what i wanted to do I'm really upset. Too bad. <laughs> and we obviously will see this in the next chapter when he does another dickhead thing and, you know, doesn't follow crazy old woman Gaja. Right. And so this quote that we pulled uh, for this situation where Ore, the pink that we think has like a special relationship with Diomedes, she comes into the room and she, and she has told Lysander that Cassius has died. And Lysander says, may I see him? And she says, I'm afraid that is impossible, Dominus. He says, why? Answer me. And she said, his body was taken by schoolmates of Bellerophon to desecrate in the waste. Diomedes uh, went to pursue them. And then Lysander says, so he sent you? And she responds, I have his trust. And he says, I see. She's got other things as well. So I wonder, like I, yeah, I also wonder if we might be getting a little bit of unreliable narrator in that situation where we're not getting every single thing that's passing through Lysander's head at that time and whether there was some calculus some about whether he's being lied to. We are, however, in his head. That's true. But think so about was, the situation with Darrow. We were in his head when Severo got shot and we still didn't figure that out either. Well, so I'm Pierce just, purposefully tricked us. You know how I feel about that. <laughs> then we move on to dido with uh the hollow so dido all this time has believed that the hollow was real and kind of put all her chips in that corner Mm -hmm. trusting that it was real and then now that she has her proof the rim has to trust her with her war right and this is again an outsider she's venusian um the rim hates core peeps but they clearly can't deny this uh, proof of the hollow and the docs being alive before Daryl got to him. And the, the quote was, 10 years ago, the dockyards of Ganymede were destroyed. 
100,000 died on the station. 10 million Ganymede died when the rebel fell upon New Troy. It was a calamity not seen in the rim since the coming of the Ash Lord. We blamed Roke Afabii and his sovereign. But what if I told you there was a hidden truth? Another man responsible for the newest in the long list of crimes against our people. So she gives the speech before even watching the hollow. To me, that that begs like the question, has she actually seen it? I mean, she's clearly like all yeah. in on this. Yeah, I think she's just gone this far at this point. She's already made her play where she says, you know, you can put me on trial no matter what after this. She's so confident at this point that she has the evidence that she needs for her war. Plus, in the last uh, set of chapters that we read, there's a really good part where Lysander has talked about how she's binding all these houses to her cause with the way that she had Cassius fight multiple people, like got everybody's blood boiled. Right. And now, now she can just really lean in and be like, here we go. This is it. And then they're all just, basically they're all just seeing red at that point. It doesn't right. matter. There's self-righteous yeah. anger yeah, um, you, being played. You can kind of take advantage of that gold mentality that's just like revenge is always something that they're going to. Well, and honor, want. like it's exactly th- their honor demands revenge. Yeah. At this point. Exactly. And these are like the true iron golds left, like yeah. these people on the rim, especially. These are hardcore, <laughs> yeah. scary golds. <laughs> Don't fuck with these golds. Right. That takes us to uh, Lyria. This is where she's getting interrogated by Daxo and Theodora and Niobe and, and um, Holiday. Holidays hanging out as well and they're asking her a million questions i thought it was really interesting how much they thought she was working for the society and like they were not suspecting the syndicate at all i think that tells you a lot about how kind of crazy of a play and how much nobody saw this coming from the syndicate right in the first place so they're saying basically like you could be a society agent and all this stuff and Lyria's fighting back and she's saying I was born in Lagalos. I can tell you the name of every head talk and hell diver for the last 30 years. Try me. Daxo responds, but of course you can. Society intelligence trains its agents well. Perhaps you even believe you are who you claim to be. Perhaps they conditioned you. Your memories, your history, your grief for your dead family could all be a fiction. Damn. <laughs> that would be crazy to. Well, think about what we learn in Dark Age about the mind melt thing that uh the sovereign does right like they've seen that in in different ways not as sophisticated ways before so they're saying like what if that happened to you you wouldn't even know it you would believe who you think you're supposed to believe you are (laughs) that'll be some real deep state agent shit (laughs) fucked up (laughs) and it is true i mean it is crazy that this red girl from her situation like somehow got into the employ of the Telmonises right just by like saving Kavax like like it could be very suspicious especially with the level of sophistication level, yeah like the level of sophistication that the Ashlord brings to the table and like his tactics obviously we're getting some kind of long game from him already right right him and Atlantia at this point so so they're thinking Clearly, she couldn't just be this random girl who happened to trick everybody. Right, And then it also speaks to what we were saying before we read the quote that 
They just don't see this coming from the syndicate at all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point, the syndicate hasn't made any big moves. They're just like gang members, basically. Mm -hmm. They're not political. And then moving on, Lyria then has to convince Mustang to trust her. So clearly the other squad didn't trust Lyria and ended up trying to use the Oracle on her because they're like, this bitch can't be innocent, obviously. And they're angry and they're scared. So then when she's talking to Mustang, Lyria tells Mustang that she came back for Liam Mm -hmm. and that, uh, you know, she doesn't want his view of himself or of Lyria to be false or falsified by uh, like the memory of her if she had just ran. She doesn't want him to believe that she's a terrorist and that his gamma blood is like, quote unquote, evil. Right. So the quote is, I promised my sister I would protect him, and I will. Liam will be proud of who he is, who his family was, and the gamma blood that runs in his veins. So throw me in deep grave. Kill me. My life doesn't mean shit. Your son's life does. The girl's life does. And if I can help save them, then Liam can hold his head up high, and so can I. And then Mustang says, that is something I can believe. I love that. She's like waiting her out. And then she like gives her like a very slow smile. Now that's something I can believe. Well done, Lyria. <laughs> well done. <laughs> yeah. So finally, in this moment, Mustang decides to trust Lyria because at this point, Mustang doesn't really have a lot of options. But if she um, trusts Lyria and Lyria turns out to be a spy, obviously misdirection. Right. They would like never find the kids. So Mustang really takes a leap here when she decides to go with what Lyria is saying. And then we see further in these chapters that they take action on Lyria's word and then eventually are sitting across from Ephraim. Right. I love how Mustang comes in and just takes control of that situation and just tells Lyria, like, this is what I need from you. Like, you either give it to me or else, like, I'm done with you. She's like, or I kill you. (laughs) I don't torture you. I just straight up kill you. You're wasting my time. And then that takes us to our uh, final quote here, which is about Volga and Ephraim. This is the part where they're trusting each other and their our relationship, mainly Volga and her trust in Ephraim and her faith in Ephraim is completely broken. Poor Volga. Because he's such a sour boy. He's a huge dick. I know. He says really mean things to her like over and over again. And finally she's like, fine, fuck you. Yeah. I don't deserve this. I deserve zoo animals. <laughs> you do deserve zoo animals, Volga. Right. <laughs> Go look at those zoo animals. Do oh. it. So she says to Ephraim, why are you like this? He says, like what? <laughs> <laughs> she said, evil. I sigh. I'm not evil. Then what are you? Self-aware. You can't take care of anyone. That's not how it works. All you can do is take care of yourself. No one else is going to. And then this just, I mean, shattered my heart when I just read it. Volga just says, I would take care of you. And she would. (laughs) She really would, you sad boy. (laughs) And then Ephraim responds, you think those children care about you? You think they would grow up into people who would care about you? To them, you're just a weapon. And what am I to you? If I was not a weapon, you would not keep me with you. Well, I sure as hell don't keep you around for the conversation. By the look in her eyes, I know I've finally gone too far. 
Jeez. Yes, you have, Ephraim. You hurt our poor, sweet little Volga. Such a dick. <laughs> I love, too, that like right before all this, Volga is just like beating the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> trying to like knock some feeling into him because he's all zombied out. On the Zolodone. Yeah, exactly. And uh, he, this is just typical Ephraim, not wanting to feel anything and then pushing away everything and anything that cares about him. Man. He's in a bad place. Finally, what's crazy is it's Lyria is the person that's able to break through during the conversation between Holiday, Lyria, and Ephraim. Right. Plus the lack of Zolodone. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, I mean, the threat of... Imminent death. Death, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but realistically, I mean, Lyria does help him, like, actually maybe think about trig trig a little bit think about the man that he's becoming and that's kind of what we were talking about in our last episode with Ephraim questioning his own code like who he is and I think he rejected that and then he saw what happened when he rejected he lost Volga he put her in danger and And two well two of his crew died two of his crew died yeah that's a great point um he's going to basically hurt the only person that's ever cared about him since trig basically and it's all because of the man he's become. And he's in such a bad place that by the time he gets caught by Holiday, he's actually relieved. Yeah. He, he like wants his comeuppance. He's, right. he's waiting for it. He's tired of just doing whatever the fuck he wants, stealing kids, yeah. being a dick, and like not having the consequences. That's very sad boy of him. He's like, finally, <laughs> maybe I can be redeemed by punishment. <laughs> exactly. Sad boy, just punish me. He's I've like, been... put me in deep grave, please. I, w- <laughs> yeah. I, I deserve to suck algae for the rest of my life. <laughs> All right. That's been this week's theme of trust. Or lack thereof. That brings us to our prime five, which is five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Let's start with a Volga being cute sighting. Uh, she cute. <laughs> she's so cute. I just love that she's getting picked up at the zoo. At the Serbian Zoo. Of course she would. They're like, she was easy to find because <laughs> she's just at the zoo, like in plain sight. I hope it was a half price Tuesday or whatever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> she had to go get her discount ticket, check the animals, make sure they're happy. What a cutie. She was probably so sad after the effing breakup that she paid full price. Wow. (laughs) That makes me sad. Ephraim's even more of a dick now. Yeah, fuck that guy. (laughs) Uh, Next on our Prime 5, we really dove into Lysander's memories. Mm. Um, And it's really interesting because he talks about Cassius when he first meets him. And then also in those memories, Virginia's there, and they also talk about Darrow a lot. Mm-hmm. It was uh, cool how Lysander kept bringing up Darrow and how Darrow was the better Martian and the hero of the Institute mm. and how Cassius is, you know, like petulant and like squandering his uh, reputation by having like orgies or whatever, <laughs> you know, on his estate, just being a mm-hmm. playboy. Cassius being a playboy. And Can in you blame him? <laughs> well, in this, uh, this is a fun moment. It kind of connects Red Rising and those events to Iron Gold and uh, what happened in the aftermath between 
Red Rising and Golden Sun. So, of course, Darrow has gone off to the Academy. And uh, when Mustang comes in, Cassius is like, hey, your boy is going off to play with ships. And she's like, I don't have a boy. Yeah. Um, we're not dating. I also like how he's like, eagles are better. Eagles are <laughs> better. And he's like, Carnus will teach him a lesson. And she's like subtle. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Cassius, clearly your pride has been hurt. And uh, also in these memories, you can tell that Lysander totally has a crush on Mustang. Oh, yeah. And he like perks up when she walks in and he's like, you can come with me and Aja. <laughs> like, even though he knows Aja will be mad. And he's also clearly like jealous of Cassius's charm and good looks. And he says, like, I wish I were as tall as Cassius. Yeah. This just speaks to the power of Mustang in a room. The guys just <laughs> love her, including me. Yeah, I think it's everybody just melts with Mustang. Yeah. So this whole memory was really fun to jump into and kind of see the beginning of this road where Cassius and Lysander ended up. Yep. And then the next item on our Prime 5 list is a connection between Iron Gold and Dark Age. So in Dido's, you know, her speech to all the Rim Lords right before she plays the Hollow, she says she was contacted by a broker from a guild, which would mean like one of the Whites or whatever. Like the Ophion Guild? Yes. And they told her that they had this Hollow or whatever. Okay. And then in Dark Age, Abominadrius, this direct quote when he's talking to, I think it's Publius, he says, did you use the white guilds to start a war? So now we can pretty much make the direct connection, I feel like, that the hollow was supplied by Abominadrius to the rim. Wow. And that, that's fucking crazy. That is crazy. And he's only like 10. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know where the hollow came from, like originally, but we know that Abominadrius somehow got a hold of it and he's the one that got it out to the rim and ultimately started that war. So that's, that'll be interesting to see how that continues to play and how Abominadrius continues to manipulate the Republic, the society, and the Rim all at the same time. Because you know he's got to have a kind of smokescreen for all of them at this point. That's very interesting. Because I had another thought. And that brings us to Prime 5 next step. And I would like uh, to invite you all (laughs) into my conspiracy corner. Uh Uh-oh, we've got Aaron's conspiracy corner. I've got a few thoughts. I had wrote them down. She has some handwritten notes this week, and I, I'm loving it. Some notes. I actually was writing these down while I was like getting ready in the morning because I was listening to it, and I had to like keep <laughs> rewinding <laughs> instead of just picking up the book like a normal person. <laughs> so my thoughts on the hollow and where it came from are a little different, and maybe these Ben's thoughts and my thoughts could still converge at some point. But um, I thought it was really interesting that when the hollow opens up, it's clearly being filmed from um, the body of an obsidian woman, mm-hmm. not Sefi. One of Sefi's. But one of Sefi's Valkyrie, uh, Valkyrie fighter bitches. And um, it says the audio comes first, the sound of metal dragged upon metal, whimpering metal on flesh. Then the video appears in the air 
in the center of the room over our heads with ghostly radiance. It shows the bloody deck of a starship, a grand one, judging by the size of the bridge. The mutilated body of a dead gold woman is being dragged by her hair by a pair of huge pale hands covered with tribal runes. So this is from that obsidian's perspective. Yeah, it's like a helmet cam or whatever, right? Yeah, like a like a cop cam mm-hmm. on her lapel. And then uh, she proceeds to detonguing the woman, the dead yeah, woman. That was and, a little grisly. And putting the tongue on her little keychain <laughs> tongues. <laughs> Pretty cute. Pretty cute. But then the goal, the obsidian moves over to line up with the other Valkyrie, and you can see clearly there's Darrow, uh, Roke's already dead on the floor, Victor's there, Holiday's there, not filming, because she's in the film, <laughs> and Sefi's also standing there looking out at the intact docks, like right, we right. said. So my theory is um, this is Sefi's woman, so obviously Sefi kept the video, even though Daryl threatened everyone on the ship to not release any video or tell anyone. Mm-hmm. So Sefi disobeyed that. She kept the video. And then somehow the video made it into the hands of Dido. And my theory was that it came from Sefi. I think it can still be that. I mean, because it has to, the video or the hollow has to come first from somebody on that ship, right? Right. So like. it's definitely originally Sefi's lady. But then does Sefi purposefully give it to someone? Yeah. Like, or does she not know who she's giving it to? Or does her white Xenophon have a connection to one of the white guilds? Right. I mean, they could all this could definitely all still play in together. And it it could be that uh she purposefully gives it to Abominatrius. Right. Yeah, exactly. Which would be super fucked up of Sefi. And we just don't know how Abominadrius gets the, the hollow. I think it's pretty safe to say that you can say that he provided it to the rim, but I'm not sure how he's getting it in the first place. And there could still somebody be somebody else that's providing that to him. Right. So that was step one of my conspiracy corner. I like it. Conspiracy part two um, is the whole Cassius being dead scenario. So my theory is that Diomedes isn't the one deciding to lie to Lysander about Cassius being dead. I 100% think that Cassius tells Diomedes to tell Lysander that he's dead. Mm -hmm. And I think that is because obviously Cassius feels blindsided and betrayed by Lysander um, giving them the war. Mm-hmm. And then I also think Diomedes is, has proven time and time again to be of the utmost honor. And I don't think he would just lie to Lysander for his own gain. Mm-hmm. And thirdly, I think that Cassius and Diomedes are allied in the fact that neither of them wants another war at all. So they're like, okay, we've got to ditch your mom. We've got to ditch this pixie bitch Lysander. And we've got to fight against them going back to war. Yeah. So I think when Ore comes back to the room to tell Lysander, Cassius not only is alive, but is like conscious and talking right. Diomedes through this decision. And we don't hear in Dark Age anything about like what actually happened with Cassius, right? 
We saw him now. No, no. Exactly. Yeah. He just shows up brooding again. Yeah, yeah. And then he's gone off into the, on the eagle's wings, if you will. I really like the idea of Diomedes and Cassius and what you said there about them both not wanting a war and maybe teaming up to prevent that from happening. You could definitely see that for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And I just can't, I was thinking over and over, like, like, why would Diomedes tell Lysander that? Unless he was like going to use Cassius in some way, but then when we find out Cassius is basically set free, right? Then that's when I'm like, obviously Cassius didn't want Lysander to still be chained to him in any way. And that's kind of interesting because right before that, Diomedes says to Lysander, "Like, what would you do if you're no longer bound to Cassius?" You know, he kind of asks him that question. And so he leaves him with it, yeah. Yeah. And we see what happens. Now he's bound to himself and his uh, lineage, right. if you will. <laughs> I have one more small conspiracy. It's not really a conspiracy, but I have a thought. So in chapter 48, we see uh, Lysander jump into this really deep memory of the first time he met Cassius. And he talks about going into the Willow Way. So, are the Willow Way and the Mind's Eye closely connected? Seems like they might be. Obviously, the Mind's Eye is like some kind of meditation technique, and so using the Willow Way repetition and breathing or whatnot, that could just be a, a helpful way to slip into the Mind's Eye. Right. But you got to think about who's using the Mind's Eye and the Willow Way. It's like Aja, Lorne. most likely. Lorne. Like, these are all people that are connected directly to, like, the Loon bloodline, you know? Right. And the sovereign. And so they would have access to that. To the secret. To the secret, yeah. And uh, he, s- he says he f- slips into this will-away connection. And then this memory is so vivid that he not only remembers everything, he actually, like, experiences the memory. He talks about the smell and the sights and the feelings of being in this memory. So it's not just, he's not just, like, thinking about it, daydreaming. He's actually like physically in a way transforming his mind back into this time, mm-hmm. which is even crazier knowing that this perfect memory that he has was altered to erase his mom. I mean, yeah. that's some like <laughs> really intense mind erasing stuff. Yeah, it's like a super transcendent like meditative mind state. Yeah. So I which I see as almost hypnotic. Yeah. Yeah. I see it as the mind's eye. I think yeah. whenever people say will away, we could think that's probably very closely connected to the mind's eye. I think that's interesting. These are all my thoughts. <laughs> Stand astride the sorrows. <laughs> Be the calm. Uh, our last item on the Prime 5 list is some syndicate queen type stuff. It was uh, during the conversation with Ephraim and Holiday in Lyria, where they're on the spaceship, and Ephraim's like about to leave. They're waiting for him in his lounge. Uh, Ephraim says, word in the game is that she's an obsidian warlord from Earth. And then Holiday says, Republic Intelligence has been operating under the assumption that she's a red for more than a year now. <gasps> what I'm wondering is if this is Lilith 
just cosplaying different <laughs> races at this point, you know, like she oh, could like be, maybe she was an obsidian woman. Yeah, she could. She could easily. She's not big enough though. She could disguise herself as an obsidian woman for sure. She's big enough as a gold to be, like. But she's small enough to also be a red. Yeah, but they say a big red. So I mean, a big red woman. So clearly, uh, yeah, the the red that was Lilith. She was being a red to Publius, who was very surprised when she turned out not to be a red. Mm-hmm. And then, I do you think the Obsidian Warlord from Earth could be someone else, like Volsung Fa or something? Volsung Fa is hanging. He's got to be hanging out, out in deep space. So. That's true. Yeah. So you're saying Lilith s- Lilith has been on Earth, so maybe she could be the. Yeah, she, I'm just saying Obsidian. she could maybe be using multiple disguises, right? As a syndicate queen, um, and then uh, they also say there's also a chance they're working with the society. Yeah, ha ha. Which would play into some of my theories. There's also a talk about during the interrogation with Lyria and Mustang and Holiday, just the three of them, that talk about how Ephraim's face is scrambled in all the videos, right? And they talk about how it's a similar thing that, that happened on Earth a month earlier. Okay. And, and so that could, that's definitely some syndicate queen shit. Right. And that's the Lilith being involved right there. Also, I would like to say, against my own holiday as a trader, <laughs> she looks pretty good throughout all these chapters. Yeah, she's very surprised that right. it's Ephraim. She's clearly caring for these children just as much as the rest of us. So I think you're wrong. And she uh, is in the hollow of the the stuff being destroyed. So why would she implicate herself? All I have to say is stay vigilant. She's obviously a master spy. <laughs> and me, me stay vigilant or <laughs> no, you? No, me <laughs> and all my you're talking fellow to yourself? holiday is a traitor. Uh, you're subscribers. just so wrong. I love it. I love how wrong you are. <laughs> Everyone who subscribes to this theory, just stay vigilant. Like I said, stay on your toes because just when you let your guard down, that's when Holiday is going to sneak up on you and surprise us all. I and, don't know. And betray us. I think you're wrong. <laughs> all right. That was our Prime 5. And uh, now that we've finished our Prime 5, it's time to name our Primus of the Week, where we choose the one character who conquered our Proctors of Plot and rose above the rest. Our Primus of the Week is... Lyria. Yeah, girl. Lyria you, of Lagalos. She got a shower. <laughs> she has... Uh, some pain meds. She's got some nice coffee with, like, Valium in it. <laughs> yeah. Sounds good. That was funny. Um, You know, she gets to uh, confront her, quote-unquote, friend, Felipe... And be like, what the fuck, dude? Right. You did this. Last episode, we left off with her pretty much expecting to get pulled apart by Republic intelligence. Right. She, Yeah. And she wasn't <laughs> looking too hot. <laughs> yeah. And so now she was able to talk her way out of that, luckily. She got the trust of Mustang. Earned the trust of the Sovereign herself. Now we're kind of like, kind of buddy-buddy. We're working together at least. And, um, like you said, got to confront her betrayer, Ephraim. And she not only does that, she also manipulates him in a way into having feelings again. Yeah. <laughs> she uh, kind of unlocks his heart a little bit. She, yep, she yeah. gets to him. Um, she, uh, 
at this point can use her story as a boon for him to hang on to his humanity. And she really uh, opens up here and talks about we can't just be monsters, even though all these horrible things have happened to us. We mm-hmm. have to still be good people. Mm-hmm. And uh, that really kind of helps transform Ephraim's heart a little. Way to go, Lyria. She's she's not even Figment yet. She's already <laughs> doing good stuff. Yeah, this is where she really starts turning around. Not yep. that she was ever bad, but I mean. Well, not bad, just kind of like pathetic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's really like owning it now. For sure. Good job, Lyria. All right, that takes us to this week's Howler Q&A. Our question is from Adam A. Clark. He's gold. Oh, wow. Yeah. Adam says, what are your full-time jobs outside of HowlerPod? And what are you guys drinking while recording this episode? This episode? This episode. Oh, this is an interesting one because <laughs> normally it's alcohol. <laughs> but this week it's hazelnut coffee. Just hazelnut coffee today. No volume. <laughs> no. Yeah, dang. <laughs> no painkiller. We really missed an opportunity there, didn't we? Yeah. And then full time. Why do you think this isn't our full time <laughs> job? <laughs> Which we don't make money on. Um, full time, I work at an architecture firm. I am an architectural designer. Mm-hmm. Aaron has a master's in architecture. It's pretty cool. I'm a master. <laughs> ben, what do you do? I work for an insurance company. It's pretty boring. What are you going to do now that you're a music video star? Me? Yeah. <laughs> Well, first, I need to sign a multi-million dollar contract. <laughs> then I uh, need to record a music video. Yeah. Uh, Hallerpod Records is pretty flush with cash from what I'm hearing. So. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. Um, Thanks, Adam A. Clark. Yes, thank I you, feel, Adam. I feel so... Um, We're sorry to let you down with hazelnut coffee today. Yeah. Typically, like, it's wine or... Recently, a it's been of some sort. Well, normally it's wine or Bud Light, yeah. but then recently we discovered <laughs> those natty seltzers. <laughs> Which episode was that? I was wasted <laughs> from natty seltzers, the Catalina Lime Mixer. We're we're super cool. I don't think anybody uh, knew. Nobody could tell. You could tell. <laughs> Thanks, Adam A. Clark. Like I was about to say, I feel very. Uh, privilege to have a gold ask us a question wow. yeah thank you you know what's next what are we into this week i'll go first okay ben <laughs> this week i'm throwing it back a little bit we are recording about three days after halloween and i just wanted to recommend a scary movie because i love scary movies and i just rewatched the halloween 2018 it's like the sequel to the original Halloween, and it was fantastic. I actually really like it. I love the Halloween movies. I love all of them, but that's a good one, I feel like. So just if you need a scary movie, check out Halloween, Michael Myers. And Ben knows that I will not be watching <laughs> Halloween. <laughs> it's always disappointing that you'll never watch a scary movie. Because I'm a pixie. <laughs> I say it's because my imagination is too good, and then for like a month later, I think I'm going to be murdered. I did have nightmares the first time. I saw this movie afterwards about Michael Myers trying to come and kill me, but they were more like fun. I woke up, you know, energized. (laughs) (laughs) 
You're sadistic. <laughs> You're like, oh, I love feeling like I'm about to die when I wake up. It's a great feeling. It really helps you get started in the morning. There you go. <laughs> Your life threatened. Okay, well, I'm into um, English singer-songwriter. His name is Michael Kiwanuka. He just came out with a new album called Kiwanuka, his last name. Um, you probably, if you watch Big Little Lies on mm. HBO, then that's the theme song. The Great song. <laughs> I don't even know the words. <laughs> but uh, we are, I actually have like a physical record of his, which is pretty cool of me. That's pretty cool. I'm impressed. Uh, so it's great, like, driving music, I would say. Mm-hmm. Check it out. Okay, what are we doing next episode on Howler Pod? This is our penultimate episode. Wow, yeah, we're almost done with Iron Gold, aren't we? Yeah, it's crazy when I'm, when I'm looking through the book. I'm like, I don't have a lot of pages left. <laughs> there are two pods left, Here's everybody. my sound effect. <laughs> That's pages. Um, chapters 52 to 58. Chapters 52 through 58. And Ben, what are we going to do once we're done with Iron Gold? We are going to take a small break, and then we will be back at it with Dark Age. Reread of Dark Age. With a reread of Dark Age. We're also going to have some new segments. This is a tease. <laughs> you do the creepiest, <laughs> like, spirit fingers. <laughs> When you say that, <laughs> this is a tease. But yeah, we'll have some fun new segments for you guys uh, that we're going to try and set up while we're taking a small break. Yeah. And then we'll have more information to come on that. Okay. Don't forget to follow us Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy, email howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit us at howlerpod.com. And don't forget, rate and review us five stars only. If you don't give us five stars, then we will steal your best friend and put them in a cell. And if you don't change it to five stars, we'll give them to the Telemannuses <laughs> to be murdered. That's yep. like a double threat. Yeah, because not only are you threatened, we're also killing your best friend who's innocent. <laughs> so please just give us five stars. Yeah, just give us five stars. None of that will happen to you. Exactly. All right, thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere Lupus. Oh. Alu.